Good morning, Mac Avenue Community Church. I'm Alex Bowman. I'm one of your elders and also help lead the youth group with my wife, Sarah, there in the back. And today, I have the privilege of introducing Pastor Corey Klein to you from First Congregational Church in Allegan, Michigan. So we, we got an email from Pastor Corey uh, maybe five months ago, six months ago, and he had an idea to have his youth group come here and serve in our community and have our youth group go there and serve in their community. So Allegan, Michigan's in the west side of the state. It's a rural area. We're here in Detroit. And so that actually happened half, halfway. Uh, hopefully we can get the, the second half to happen. So if you were from that church, stand up, please. Give them a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Okay, so, so this crew, also with Julie and Ted, the other leaders, they, they came out here Friday night. They joined our youth group. We had our, our normal youth group meeting Friday night. We went downtown. We did a photo scavenger hunt. It was pretty awesome. And we don't have any pictures, but you should check them out. They're online. And then they got up the next morning and were serving through Mac Development and the church with our three-on-three basketball tournament. So please thank Charles over here from Mac Development, and, and also Sarah Bowman, who helped coordinate and organize all of that. And, and so through this, so also we came back Saturday night and had another youth group session where we were able to get to know each other a little bit better and, and just uh, hang out. So youth group mission exchange, one of, one of our goals from that is that we would understand and learn each other's context a little better. Uh, and hopefully be better equipped to serve in our own context by going to, to someone else's. And so that leads me to introducing Pastor Corey Klein. So Pastor Corey uh, is from the west side of the state, and he went to the University of Michigan for undergrad, and there he received the call to ministry, and he served uh, preaching the gospel to students and training them and who God wants them to be. After which time, so he spent several years there, he actually was led to do overseas missions work, work with his wife and family, and so they moved to Thailand, where they, they were training people to understand the gospel, and eventually he was training people to plant churches, and not just Americans to plant churches. I, I love that Pastor Corey was actually focused on getting indigenous Thai people to plant churches in their own communities and neighborhoods, and I think that fits with the mission of the church. The mission of the church reads, our church exists to introduce people to Jesus Christ and to train those who already know him. So Pastor Corey's mission and this church's mission is to train people about God, about Jesus, and help them kind of articulate the gospel to others. And so that's exactly what we're trying to do with this missions exchange so please uh, help me welcome Pastor Corey as he's going to be preaching in, in just a moment. So he's going to come up. Pastor Corey's going to come up. And I'm going to pray for him. And you guys continue to pray for us as we do this missions exchange. We're going over there, out there uh, next month. And so, so pray for our group as we go out there. One more quick note. So I, I was talking to Corey. I just met him Friday. I, I was talking to him, um, you know, you just meet someone, you talk to them about what? 
the weather, right? So I, I was complaining about how uh, rainy it's been in Detroit, and specifically it's rained, I think the, the news people said, three times more than ever. And so I'm complaining because I can't relax and go for walks with my family on the weekend because it happens to rain every Saturday, except for yesterday, so that was nice. And he says to me, yeah, that's been really hard for our people because they're farmers and they can't sow. And so these, it, hearing how it affects his context and their context as they minister, we deal with unemployment, but they, they can't eat. They can't do their livelihood because of the weather. I can still go to work when it rains. Uh, and so just hearing that made me reflect a little bit on our context and how we live and to understand and appreciate a, a rural context as well. So that's just like one little snippet of what we got and just five minutes of conversation. So we are prayerful and, and please join us in praying for our trip out there as well. So join me in praying for Pastor Corey. Holy God, our Father, I, I thank you for Pastor Corey, his heart to serve you for these 20 plus, plus years, Lord. I, I, I pray for first, first Congregational Church uh, and that you will bless their church, that you will grow their church, grow it spiritually, Father. Allow them to have deep, deep conversations about you and help him as he equips others to, to serve you and be trained up into who you are, Lord Jesus. Bless him as he brings the word today. Will you, will you lead him, guide him, and uh, care for this body through his words? In Christ's name, amen. amen. Uh, and before he, he comes up and, and shares his word, we have Sandra who's going to be reading the, the, the scriptures. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's reading comes from Matthew nineteen thirty to 2016. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going about, out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came... They thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is God's word. Amen. Well, how is everyone today? Good? I just got to say how excited I am to be here. We had a great time this weekend. You guys were so welcoming to us. 
we are so pleased that, that, that this worked out. Um, we're excited about you guys coming to visit us as well. Um, we, are, we are looking forward to that. Uh, I'm excited too about the, the outreach that you guys are doing in your city. When, when I saw everything that you guys have your hands in, I was like, and you guys got one pastor? <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, you guys are doing a great work. And uh, you will be in my prayers, not just today, but, you know, throughout. Um, you guys have become family to us. Uh, so I also want to say it is such an honor to speak to you. Uh, we are a people of God's word, are we not? And it's through scripture that God, he guides us and he shapes us into the image of his son. So we hold the Bible as our highest authority. And so the fact that you would trust me to deliver this message speaks volumes. As we, as we look at our text for today, one of the most important things in helping us to understand is the context. Now I know Pastor Leon has been taking you through the book of Ephesians, is that right? Okay. And so... He has an advantage over me because every week you're getting the context that leads up to the next passage, right? And so you're getting schooled every week. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of verse-by-verse verse expository preaching. I, on the other hand, you know, I have, I'm at a slight disadvantage. I, I, I'm jumping you into the middle of a book without weeks, if not months, of, of context. That being the case, I want to start off with context. All right? And so we're going to be looking at, at, at the book of Matthew as a whole, and we're going to look at par, part of chapter 19, which leads up to the, to the passage that we have today. Now, the gospel of Matthew is unique in that the, the author, he really doesn't give any thesis statement. Both the gospels of Luke and Mark, they, they begin their stories with, with the purpose of their writing. In the Gospel of John, he, he states his thesis at the end of his book. But Matthew, he's not overt like that. He, he's not like the other three. But what we do find is that there are a number of themes that are, that are weaved together, forming this beautiful mosaic that speaks about the vastness that is our Lord. We see things such as Jesus being the, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy concerning the coming Messiah. There's also the, the restoration of God's kingdom, or the kingdom of heaven as Matthew so often puts it. There's also the inauguration of that kingdom as Jesus begins his ministry and, and heads towards the cross. There's the expansion of the kingdom as it crosses boundaries and enters into the Gentile world. And Matthew also makes note of the, of the rejection of the kingdom by the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Even so, Matthew gives us a glimpse of the eschatological or future hope of the kingdom's consummation at the end of the age. But of course, none of these kingdom themes would be complete without a king. Jesus as king is the central thread that holds all of it together. 
This kingly theme gives us our greater context. So as we look at our story today, we should notice how it points us to Christ as our king. Now, how about the immediate context? Well, we have to look back into chapter 19 to to figure that out. And what we find there is there are two stories leading into this parable. There's the account of the, the little children coming to Jesus to be blessed. And then there's the story of the rich young ruler. Let's, let's look at these quickly and see what we can glean from them. Look at Matthew 19, verse 13. It says this, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid hands on them and went away. Here we see the lowest in the world's economy. Those who offer the least value. Children. In our youth-driven culture today, sometimes it's, it's hard for us to fully grasp what, what is really going on in this story. We, we love our youth, don't we? I mean, we, we, we move heaven and earth to make sure that all of their activities and their events are top priority. But back then, it, it was much different. Children, you know, they, yeah, they loved their children, but children really had nothing to offer. They were too young to work. They needed to be trained and taught. In many ways, they, 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 were, they were a distraction. They, they, they sucked the resources, right? For they were always needy. They were, they, they were always taking and never providing. This is the view that the disciples took. These kids were, they were interrupting the work of their Lord. But Jesus, he rebukes his disciples saying, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. The economy of the kingdom has a different set of values than the economy of this world. Of course, right after this, this we get the account of the rich young ruler. Right? This is a man who has great value in the economy of that day. He was wealthy. He had authority. And while he was youthful, he was not useless. To the disciples, he was the, the, the prototype of the ideal man. A person worthy of their Lord's attention. And so this rich ruler, he, he asked Jesus, what good deed must I do to earn eternal life? what does our Lord do? He points them to the Ten Commandments. But this young man, he he believed that he had kept all these laws since his his youth. And so he asked Jesus, you know, what do I still lack? Look, Look at what Jesus told him in verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You see this, this man, he, he was trusting in his own 
efforts to earn for himself eternal life. And he was convinced that he could achieve it somehow. And so Jesus gave him this challenging task that struck at the true idol in his life, his wealth. But this man could not do it. And so he walked away sorrowful. But look at what Jesus said after the incident. Look at verse 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, this shocked his disciples. For, for if anyone was saved, it would be this rich young ruler. And so they, they asked Jesus, who then can be saved? Jesus gives the most wonderful answer. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Salvation comes by the grace of God. Man cannot save himself. God must be the one who saves. And this deliverance, it comes to all who put their trust in the work of Christ on the cross rather than their own good deeds. Of course, Peter, he, he wanted to justify himself. He, he, and he points to the fact that he and all the other disciples, they left behind everything to follow Jesus. Look at verse 27. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? What he was saying was this. What about us? We're not like that rich young ruler that walked away sorrowful. We had given up everything to follow you. Have we done enough? Are we in? Peter was coming at the problem with the world's economy in mind. He was thinking about his own good deeds. He was thinking about what he had to offer to his Lord. Which leads Jesus to share this new parable which is our scripture for today. We get this, we get this great tale of a, of a master who hires these day laborers to work in his vineyard. He hires some early in the day and others later. Some work a little, some work a lot. But the strange thing about it is that, is that he pays them all the same wage. This passage is a hard pill to swallow. It, it grates against a sense of what, what we deem to be fair and, and just. I mean, a worker is worth his wages. That's, that's in the Bible, isn't it? When we put in effort, shouldn't we reap the reward? If I work more than the next guy, shouldn't I get more money than, than him? I mean, that's, that's what I think is right. But, but this goes beyond money, doesn't it? Aren't there times where we just want the recognition? We, you know, look what I accomplished. Look what I've done. Oh, hey, everyone, over here. See what I did? I mean, that, that's what we want. 
We want to get noticed. Yet all too often, we, 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 we see people who, who are practically doing nothing reaping the rewards. Does that happen to any one of you? Yeah? Uh, maybe, maybe it's at work. Maybe there's the boss's favorite over there. Perhaps there's some type of family connection that they have. They use that to their own advantage. And you see them doing nothing all day long, but they, they're getting the paid, the, paid the same as you are. Or even worse, they're getting paid more than you. Maybe even they're your boss, right? They got the promotion that you should have got. And yet here Jesus, here Jesus in our parable describes the kingdom of heaven in a similar light. What on earth is going on here? To help us better understand, we, we need to look at the historical context of our passage. In order to see what Jesus is trying to communicate, we, we, we need to learn this concept of, of a pa- patron-client relationship. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 of our, of our story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Here we see this wealthy master who, who, who hires these workers, these, these guys to labor in his vineyard. He, he goes out in search for day laborers. Now, the, these day laborers were, were people who would daily go into the marketplace and search for employment. They were poor men who had no consistent income. To get chosen for work was really a blessing in their lives. For that day, they would have enough money to provide for themselves and for their families. In our story, we we see that they had agreed with this master to work for one denarius, which is one day's wage. This seems fair, doesn't it? It's right. You work one day, you get paid one day's wage. No one party's taken advantage of the other. Rather, it's a perfectly just situation. Well, let's read further and see what happens. Look at verse 3. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. For whatever reason, this, this master, he, he keeps going out to the marketplace at different parts of the day. And what does he find? He finds day laborers sitting idly by. They cannot find work. And so this master decides to employ them. He hires some at the third hour, some at the sixth hour, still others at the ninth hour, and, and finally this, the, the, this last group at the eleventh hour. Back then, a, a normal workday would, would start around 6 a.m. and and finish around 6 p.m., roughly. It was, it was a 12-hour workday. 
And so we, we see five groups of people here. Some work the full day. They work 12 hours. Others work nine hours. Still others work six. Some only work three. And you get that last group. They worked one hour. That's all they did. Again, we got to remember, these are day laborers. These, are, these men were poor, and, and they, they would take whatever they could get. For this master to hire them was, was a blessing not only to them, but to their family as well. In the, in the ancient world, there was this concept of a patron-client relationship. It was, it was a common practice back then. And our story describes this type of relationship. Now, now a patron was usually a wealthy and, and powerful person. And these patrons would take upon clients, helping those, those clients in their needs. Typically, typically, this would include providing them with food to eat and, and money to help them out. Usually, it also took the form of, of giving them some type of work as well so that they wouldn't feel the shame of being a beggar. And in return, it was common practice for these clients to sing praises of their patron. They would go out into the city and, and tell everyone about their patron's generosity. And as a result, the, the, the patron's name would gain recognition throughout the land, giving them a higher standing in their community. This type of praise was the, the real form of work that clients could do in order to show their gratitude for their patron. We see this practice today as well, don't we? When a, when a wealthy person gives a generous donation to an orphanage or a hospital or a school, I mean, often that gift will get memorialized in some way. Whether it's a name on a building or, or a, a ribbon-cutting ceremony where, where that donor is honored. That's, that's what we see today, too, isn't it? In this parable of our Lord, this master of the vineyard is fulfilling the role of a patron. He is a patron to these workers, and they are his clients. He's showing favor to these people by, by choosing them to work in his vineyard. And it's because of his mercy and his kindness that they will get paid that day. You see, these, these people whom he finds in the 11th hour, nobody else would hire them. They could not find work. But this master, he shows compassion to these people by offering them a job in his vineyard. Well, the story continues. Let's, let's see what happens next. Look at verse 8. And when evening came, the, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired came, when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. The workday's done. Time to clock out, right? Time for the workers to receive what they earned. 
And here, here's where Jesus adds that twist to the story that, that just kind of makes you step back and say, what's going on? The master of the vineyard, he, 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 typically it was common to, to pay the earlier labors first and then get to the last, but he does everything backwards. But let's pay the, the last first. And not only that, they, they receive a full day's wage for only working one hour. When the workers who came earlier see this, they, they begin to think to themselves, hmm, what does that mean for me? All right? What am I going to get? So they think they're going to get paid more. I mean, that's only fair, right? But that doesn't happen. Everyone gets paid the same wage. Everyone gets one day's wage, one denarius. Well, let's see how these earlier workers reacted to this. Look at verse 11. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Sure enough, they're grumbling. It's not fair. Ever hear that one before? How many of you young ones in here, you ever say that? No. I've got two boys, uh, six and three. I hear it's not fair quite a bit. And from a worldly point of view, these workers, they, they had every right to complain. I mean, labor unions have been formed in the name of fairness. Laws have been passed to prevent such things from happening. Favoritism can no longer be practiced or the government's going to crack down on you. I mean, this is the economy of our world, is it not? It's what we have deemed to be right and just. But is this true justice? Or is there something deeper going on in the hearts of these day laborers? The truth of the matter is is that these men who have been working all day long, they had broken the 10th commandment. Look with me at Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. These workers who came first, they, they, they had earned the same wage as the workers who came last, and now they are, they are coveting what their neighbor had been given. This is the way our our hearts and minds work, isn't it? We, we see things that other people have and we desire it. We can't, we can't stand it when others have what we want. I mean, think about your own life. How often do you find yourself saying, that's not fair? How often do you, do you think to yourself, why him? Or why her? Or why not me? We want everything in life to be fair, but it's not. We want justice, particularly when it concerns righting the wrongs done to us. But life doesn't work that way. So instead, we we grumble and we complain. 
How often do you find yourself thinking this? God never blesses me. God doesn't care about me. I mean, this, this is what these workers are doing. They're, they're grumbling at their master, the same master who earlier in the day showed them favor by hiring them in the first place. We've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Rather than being thankful and proclaiming the praises of a generous patron, they slander him instead. They have become ungrateful clients. And once more, they see themselves as worthier than others. These last, they worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. Brothers, sisters, this, this is pride. They are lifting themselves up by comparing their work to the work of others. And this is exactly what Peter did when he compared all he had left behind to that rich, young ruler. How often do you do the same thing? Do do you compare yourself to others? Do you think of others as inferior? This is a dangerous game, one which can lead to a proud heart and ultimately to God's judgment. Let's see how, how the patron responds. Look at, look at verses 13 through 15. But he replied to, the, to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or is your eye bad because I am good? Dear friends, God is just. The only one in this story who, who receives any type of injustice is the owner of the vineyard when he is slandered by his workers. And notice what the master calls one of them. He calls him friend. In the Greek, there are, there are two distinct words that are interpreted in our English Bibles as friend. There's the word philos, which Jesus often uses throughout the Gospels. And philos, it carries the, the, the same meaning that, that we'd have today. It, it means to be a companion, a, a, a dear friend, someone, someone who's close to us in an intimate way. But the word used in this parable is not philos. It's hetairos. And the meaning of hetairos is quite different. It, it is someone who seems to be a friend, but in reality is an imposter out for self-gain. It's, it's kind of like if you would say, you know, hey, buddy. <laughs> you know, the person is probably not your buddy, Right? Now, now, now Hatiros, we, we find it used four times in the New Testament. And all four times, it's in the Gospel of Matthew. We see it first in Matthew 11, when, when Jesus compares his generation to these embittered children complaining about, about, about their 
playmates or their, their friends, that, that they don't play the way they want them to. And then we see it, we see it next used in, in the parable we're, we're in today. And then we see it again in, in the parable of the wedding feast, when, when a man entered the king's banquet without wearing a wedding garment. And the king refers to this man as friend or a hetairos. And then what did he have him do? He had the man tied up and cast out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does that sound like a friend to you? But the last place we see this word is in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Judas greets Jesus with a kiss as an act of betrayal, Jesus calls him friend or hetairos. So when we see Jesus using this word, it is spoken in irony. He says friend, but he means betrayer. These workers posed as friends to their master when he had something to provide for them. But they showed their true colors, their their duplicitous nature when, when they felt that they were not treated fairly. But the master is just. He paid them exactly what they had agreed to work for. There is no injustice on his part. And finally, we we see that the master ends his conversation with this little saying Or is your eye bad because I am good? This could also be translated Or is your eye envious because I am generous? These workers, they, they have experienced the grace of this master when he had given them the work. They had seen the, the mercy of the master when, when he gave the latecomers a full day's wage. And so they both saw and experienced the kindness of this master and they couldn't stand it. Now remember, the, the, the setup to the story are the, are the children who come to Jesus with, with nothing to offer, but they were looking for a blessing. And then there's the rich young ruler who in the world's eyes had everything to offer and wanted to earn for himself eternal life. Again, we see the, the, the dichotomy between the economy of this world and the economy of the kingdom. The one is a religion based on works, and the other, grace. This is what we see in our parable today as well. These workers who came early, they want to earn their salvation. And they couldn't stand the notion of grace. But the workers who came late, they needed to rely on the mercy of their master to survive. And so we see justice and mercy as the economy of God's kingdom. To those who want to rely on their own works to save themselves, God will be just. He will judge them by what they have done. And he's going to judge each and every one of us by what we have done. It's because of our sins that the reward 
will be eternal punishment in the lake of fire. But for those who who know that they cannot make it on their own, but that they are in need of a patron to, to look out for them, they will find that patron in King Jesus. Christ will show to them both mercy and grace. He will give them a full day's wage for their little work. And he can do this because he has already done the work for us. Jesus lived a life in full obedience to his father. He then died for your sins as he went to the cross. He then took upon your punishment. After that, he rose from the dead three days later, victorious. And he brings this victory to all who are looking for that mercy. Listen, God does not need your good works. This is the economy of the kingdom. You are a beggar. You are a client in need of a patron. And Christ, this king, this kindest of patrons, he has chosen you to be his client. He he went down to the marketplace and invited you to, to enter into his vineyard where the wages are good and the benefit is eternal life. He gives you dignity by giving you work in his kingdom. This is our king. This is our patron. And he calls upon you to look to him. Look to Jesus. Look to this king. He he is the patron who is worthy of our praise. What was that song we sang earlier? You deserve it, right? This is what this story is about. He deserves it. All of our praise. Stop trying to earn eternal life, but trust in the one who can give it to you. He will come to you even at the 11th hour. So the last will be first and the first last. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for your mercy. And we are thankful that in you we we are not judged by our works. We truly are beggars in, in need of a kind patron. We are in need of of your son. Guide us as as we look to the cross where we find entrance into your vineyard, where we receive a a full day's wage based on the work of Christ, where he gives to us his Holy Spirit who provides us with dignity and honor. May we be grateful clients who sing your praise. Let us sing it out to everyone we see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been given an opportunity. 
it's, it's an opportunity to understand how God's kingdom operates, but it's also an opportunity to reap the benefits. So today, if you heard the gospel preached by Pastor Corey, if you felt like it was convicting your heart and you are a person that may know of God, heard about Jesus, but feel as if today you want to walk with him, you want to live for him, you want to accept this generous offer that he gives, we want to invite you to join MacAv Community Church. Not because our church is the best, but because our church worships Christ and believes Christ is our all. And so I will be up here after service as well as one of our elders, and you can feel free to walk up, and all you need to say is, I want to accept him. Amen? Amen. We're going to continue in our time of worship. Thank you so much, Pastor Corey. You're blessing and encouraged by your words. Um, we have two elements of... Uh,